1: It is 545. It's 38 in Anchorage, 36 in Eagle River. The Rick Rydell radio program takes to the airwaves, broadcasting as the voice of reason in a sea of emotional tumult and political posturing. Let me do the quick introductions around the radio station. That way you'll know who all the players are. In the newsroom, hunting, gathering the news, as he and his family have done for eons, the latest and the youngest in the Alaska clan of roadies to use the news as his sustenance, Scott Roadie. In the newsroom. In Master Control, making the noises happen when the noises should, the sounds happen when the sounds should, and the music happen when the music should. It is our producer, and if you could give it up, big round of applause for our also our friend. It's Mr. Mike Ortega.
2: Good morning, Rick. How you doing?
1: I am well on Happy Tuesday.
2: And actually I'm let down on Happy Tuesday. Is it is it Tuesday? Yeah, I guess it is Tuesday.
1: you don't even know you're working so much but um uh, yeah. no big big letdown last night with the uh, the I, I i told you I'm, I'm watching this uh this better call saul better call saul and um i'm just uh, it's kind of turning into an every and every uh, everybody tv show oh
2: it's too bad
1: right i mean it was so innovative it was so it was like, do you remember when the Matrix came out, the movie?
2: Yeah, and then all of a sudden there was like a hundred movies just like the Matrix,
1: right? But but then there was the Matrix Two and the Matrix Three, and right. they just concentrically got worse.
2: Yeah, it, it, they couldn't. Yeah. It wasn't the same as one. That's for sure. No, Their number one no, was and fantastic.
1: And yeah. I don't think you're. You know, I mean, you just at some point you just got to say, "We've created a real gem. Let's not
2: ruin it." Yeah, but the, well, who are they? The Wachowski brothers. They always planned to do a, a, a trilogy. What did they? That, they did a trilogy, that, right?
1: I think so. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know because there were all those other things like um, Animatrix and other things that I didn't really watch.
2: Oh yeah, but yeah, forget that.
1: After the third one, it's like, man, they just they ruined the first one. So better call Saul was kind of a letdown, huh?
2: It's it's just it's just
1: becoming a TV show. I hope I'm hoping I'm hoping for a a, a turnaround. I mean, because you know if you're if you're four four episodes in, you're almost halfway through a season these days. Which I'm not really a big fan of the ten the ten show seasons. I don't know yeah. if you've noticed that or not. No, no, of course, yeah. You 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 do the Game of Thrones thing? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Once you start, it'll be a binge watch for you, and then. And then they're getting up to where apparently in, like, um, what, September, they're going to have the three episodes this year that they're going to have. And then the final episodes after that. I don't know. But it's really irritating with the. So
2: with Better Call Saul, I thought because of uh, Breaking Bad that it, it would go on for a while. And then on one episode, like a whole bunch of people would get killed.
1: Well, I mean, you've got you basically got, um, you know, it's a prequel and it started six years before Breaking Bad happened. The story, sure, Breaking but Bad. but
2: is it still that kind of uh, that thing where it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security, and then a whole bunch of stuff happens and it's really kind of well, it's exciting? got to,
1: but you you know where it's going because you know where it, uh, the other one started, but they're not going to redo
2: Breaking Bad. I mean, it, it no. has to be better. Call Saul. So is this is this a more of a light hearted thing? Um, because Breaking Bad, no, actually, it's powerful. serious. It's dark, huh? But you're just, is, you're just not happy with it, huh?
1: It, you know, the first two seasons were just, I think, a little more creatively written. Maybe, maybe they should. Maybe maybe I should call and offer my services. I don't. Wow, know.
2: it's already into the third season.
1: Yeah, and the, so there's only three more to go. I mean, that's the thing we know, right? Right. 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 So, anyway. All right. So, that's it. Well, glad to have you here on this Tuesday, if nothing else.
2: Good to be here.
1: Yeah. Let's go ahead and get our uh, commercial break out of the way and then uh, come back and got. Uh, we'll tell you what's going on on the broadcast as we have an entire radio program to do between now and when Rush Limbaugh starts. So, Uh, It's 5.50, we'll take this break. It is 5.52, it's 38 degrees in Anchorage, 36 in Eagle River. It's the uh, Rick Rydell Radio Program. We've got uh, uh, a phone number for you to call. And it's what we use when we talk about the things we're going to talk about today. Because understand there is, and and I know I've talked about it a lot to you, I'm not going to say this um, uh, to keep beating it in your head. I know you get it. But you always have to remember we have so many tertiary listeners that uh, don't follow things as closely they our research shows that uh talk radio and we are the premier talk show in in the state of Alaska um that um and so when you have the premier talk show um a lot well I, I Ortega can uh, back me up on this when you have the premier talk show in the state of Alaska a lot of people in broadcasting want to take credit for it, right? that's that's kind of you know you do something and this is this is how it works in, 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 in broadcasting. You do something either by intent or simply by happenstance. and I think that's a lot of what we did with this radio program. Um, and once it becomes a huge success, then everybody wants to know why and how it became a success so they can all take credit for it. And that's kind of what we've done with this radio broadcast. Now, between you and me, um, you know, the the management through the years, the different forms of it, um, have all tried to take credit for it. But the truth is, the reason why this radio program has been such a success is because it's you and me. It's It's us. You know, it's not they always go, well, the Rick Rideau radio program. They start looking at Rick. That's me. But what they what they never get, and I don't think they they fully understand, is that it's 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 you and me. It's not a me thing, it's an us thing. And and so, you know, when you call in and, and we have these discussions on these topics, um it's it's us. It's it's what happens, it's the synergy between uh, between between you and me having these conversations, even sometimes when we're arguing, because the underinformed and the uh, the low information uh, listeners out there want to know what's going on, and we create this energy between us that becomes like the definitive for if you want to get into the weeds and have a full, comprehensive, Understanding of what's really going on with the public's business—that this is the place you come, and that's—and that's what we do. So today, um, today, one of the one of the things that is at play um, and needs to be kind of ushered in a little bit is there is this battle of public relations going on over one of the largest bureaucracies we have and it's a uh, it's it's a, it's, a, it's the second largest line item in the Alaska state budget and you cannot you cannot reduce or even slow down the growth of government without addressing two things and those two things is the is the biggest line item and you think about this um with the with the government's job being uh, public safety, commerce, uh, infrastructure, education, and then managing our trust properties. Why is health and human services the biggest budget item when it's not even an essential function of government? Education, of course, is the one I'm talking about, though, and that's the one that's at a battle as the Senate is proposing actually to reduce the size of the budget. Uh, and again you can't even keep a uh, you can't even keep a budget from growing without addressing these two and, and of course education is is one that is more definitive than health and human services because you can only predict how many people are going to get sick with with people going to school i mean there's moves that can be made so i think today what i'd like to do since uh since this is one of the main Key points in in the uh, in the budget conversation, because the Democrats are going to hold dear that you're against children if you're not ready to give up your money for this bureaucracy known as education, which doesn't even necessarily always serve children with everything it spends, and the Republicans are going to saying, uh, "We're." We're supportive of our kids. We just want to reduce this over bloated bureaucracy. And I'm talking about uh, K 12 and the university. So let's talk about really, really frank and honest discussion about what we're doing with the education system, why we still have anti Catholicism Blaine amendments in our laws. And why we need to reduce the amount of money so we can achieve the the goal of educating our kids. Five two two zero six five zero five fifty seven. We'll be right back. It is six oh nine. We're back. Thirty eight degrees in Anchorage. Thirty six in Eagle River. It's the Rick Rydell Radio Program. So let's have the honest discussion. Our second largest budget item in in the um, state. For, for the state that is threatening to reach into your pocket and take money out of your earned income at this point. The second largest budget item is, um, is education. Um, in, in the spending in, in the municipality of Anchorage, the largest thing we spend money on is education. What really are we doing? I mean, we've got 48,000 kids in Anchorage attending a school system that costs double what it costs to run the city. And, and I believe what's what's being spent on the city is is far more than needs to be spent. So twice as much as that is spent on this education system. We spend at the very top per capita on education. Um, we spend at the very top, if not you know number one, number two, but at the very top, of the amount per student on education, and we have some of the worst results of any state out there. Why do you keep doing the same thing, the same way, over and over and over, and expecting different results? There, my friends, is the question today. Let me go to a Warren and then Ken. Good morning, Warren. Lovely to see you on the board this uh, this day.
3: Hey, good morning. Yeah. Uh... You have to get up early because you're so sure <laughs> it's really early. <laughs>
1: it gets over a lot earlier, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes,
3: it does. I mean, I, I used to love driving at 8 and listening to you for an hour. It just doesn't happen right. anymore. So.
1: And understand, it was a decision made far above my pay grade, not my
3: decision. Yeah, but, but for you, you get to get to the Kenai an hour earlier now.
1: So. An hour earlier, right. So So what are your thoughts on education?
3: Uh, well, two things on the Blaine Amendment. Okay, I really yep. think if our state had come in in 1969 instead of 1949, the bet would have been found totally. I mean, absolutely uh, 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 unconstitutional, appalling. Constitutional. The Blaine Amendment. Fifty-nine
1: was the year, but yeah, I get what you're saying.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, if we come in later. Uh, that wouldn't have passed constitutional muster, and. Uh, I I really think that some of the graduates and lawyers and the judges that came out of Liberty University should should start a big education on this one and and, uh, just pass it all the way up and find it unconstitutional. I mean, states were forced to put this amendment in, uh, most of them west of the Mississippi, or they would not be admitted into the Union.
1: Right, right. And, you know, and, and, and for those that don't know what he's talking about is an anti Catholicism movement that didn't make it in US Congress, but they they, they, they buried it into US constitutions and it was all an anti Catholicism movement is what it was. Yeah, and that's that's what drives our education uh spending constitutionally. Anyway, go ahead.
3: Yeah. It's you know. to me it was just like slavery okay (laughs) finally about yeah yeah Uh, yeah it
1: is so no that and i think that that's you know that's the one thing that has been the biggest blockade um to stopping bringing actual competition and choice into education
3: oh absolutely the
1: thank you senator click bishop yeah Remember, we almost got rid of that, and uh, and he was the one that stopped that. So, yeah. but that'll uh, that'll spark a lot of conversation. Well, I'm. Uh, I see you're up on this. Of course, you've you've been involved in education for a long time.
3: Yeah, I was a teacher too for a long time. Uh, right. And it's uh, this system is what tells me to quit the one here in Anchorage. It's <laughs> <laughs> <I'm, laughs> okay. In one of my classes, I had to go before the class and separate the kids into groups and says, "You children are very special because you are black, you're you're Indian, you're Athabascan. you yeah. And that that was the final straw to me, where they where they actually stopped teaching and and put everything into social, uh, justice yeah, instead of actual. And that, that's when I think our education system fell apart. And yeah. I, I just couldn't yeah. be a part of that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I see why. I get it. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for the call. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Uh, Ken, on line two. Good morning, sir.
4: Hey, good morning, guy. You know, What's I was talking about, the, you know, your show and, and the things we talk about in the morning cause a lot of folks uh, don't get to listen, but... Right. One thing that popped in my head, it, and you can see a recurring theme here, uh, I was talking to an older gentleman, and what's evident to me is we don't have enough people in in government and education and everything else. These folks are now separated from the generation by a good deal of people that had forced frugality and forced common sense because, you know, you look at our, our grandparents and even some of our parents, They you know, they had the Depression and then the war. Oh, yeah. And it was a whole different time, and most of their decisions were based with logic and reason based on what uh, what's going to feed me tomorrow and, and what's it going to be like for my kids. I don't want them starving because I sure right. didn't like it, like waking up, freezing, and, and worried about what we're going to eat. And they don't think that way these days. And what's evident, you know, when I moved here, people always said terms like the uh, Taj Mahal schools and such. And I was like, why, why are they just kind of cruel, man? You know, we need good schools for our kids. I was kind of like that too you know
0: but then one day I had an
4: event I went down there to South High and you can see the lack of reason you can see the lack of <laughs> frugality and common sense I can't even imagine sitting in a room with these people and them sitting. oh yes we need stainless steel everything and a gigantic atrium in the Arctic here where we got to heat it all the time and take care of it and these huge bigger building we have to take care of that I can't they don't think logically and with reason and with frugality and common sense they don't they don't care they haven't had right. that influence in their lives
1: well, now if you if you if you had to go to South, does that mean do you had kids that went to Golden View? Because if that didn't dawn on you at Golden View, <laughs>
4: oh yeah, well, my yeah, God! About that too, yeah. They think we build and maintain, and the thirteen satellite camps we have through UAA that don't transfer credits. There are no yeah. common sense and reason. These people don't care. They don't know their program now.
1: Yeah. Well, and for some people, I mean, it's it's building a. It's building this this bureaucracy into a I don't know if it's a, a monument to bureaucracy or what, but um. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is
0: for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: God, there's just never, there's never a, a, an upper limit to what they won't spend.
4: Well, there's definitely a two tiered class system here in this state. And it's getting worse. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a it's a real short story. I had a, we had a really nice RV when we moved up here, and we weren't really using it, so we had to get rid of it. We couldn't couldn't really afford it, so we went to sell it. And a couple that were younger than us showed up and bought it, and they were bragging about their retirement plans. And uh, and I was like, wow, you know, you guys, this things don't last that long, you know? I uh, and they said, oh no, we're retiring now. We're going out now. We're going. I'm thinking, wow, that hurt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's a young, this younger couple, right, right. And yeah, what was it they did?
4: They're retiring and head off on their little journey all the United states with uh with a van that we couldn't afford because we're paying for them to go off on their little journey around oh. the United States. That's the
1: oh, so these that. were like retired teachers or retired state workers?
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cause I think I yeah because I think when we were younger, we thought, oh, okay, public service it gives you. Uh, An okay living, but it's nothing that I'd want to go into because I'm in the private sector and I'm going to earn more. And then it's somehow switched where the, uh, the the average higher wage earner and the better benefits are all of a sudden these public servants, not the public masters, that are out trying to make the world go.
4: Well, even if it's not so much higher pay... You know how their pay structure works. You don't have to discuss that on air. Take a Oh time. yeah. But you you look at the the Anchorage post, all those wages. Now you can see that, uh, okay. And when they got lifeguards with full benefit packages, and do you have a full benefit package there at the radio station?
1: I do, but I'm kind of special. I make 1251 an hour or two, so I'm okay, good. Yeah. how
4: about how about <laughs> your coworkers everybody around there, you know? No, not you
1: everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, everybody, you my, right. Yeah.
4: You get my you get my point. And that's not I that I'm do, yeah. somebody a great benefit package. I'm just saying that now more and more and more in this state, you're getting a class of people that don't have it and will never have it, and you got people screeching because they oh, will yeah. keep it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you look at most state employees really don't do any contribution to their own medical, and that that's almost unheard of in the private sector anymore.
4: Is that is that really true? That's
1: there's a I lot of them mean. that don't pay. You know, they could they could reduce the budget a lot by saying, okay, you guys all have to pay uh, like the private sector does. You got to pay a couple hundred a month for your uh, your insurance
4: benefits. Well, I think it should be. We should pay. Well, enough and take care of people, but I don't think we should have this huge split where what I just talked about because, yeah, no, uh, no, you're right, it's demoralizing. Yeah. It really <laughs> It is.
1: All right, buddy. Yeah, you're good. Point today. Thanks for the call. Drive safely, Bye. Ken. See you. All right, quick break. We'll be back after this 619. Our lines are open, so if you want to join in, it's 5220650. We'll be right back. It is 624. It's 38 degrees in Anchorage, 36 in Eagle River. One of the biggest stopping points to education reform and actually getting an education done um, in ours and many other states is this thing that Warren brought up called the Blaine Amendment. And if you were unclear, I know I'm, you, you know what a Blaine Amendment is, but let me say it for uh, the people that don't understand it. In about 18... Seventy-five. There was a an amendment tried to put through Congress by a guy named uh, Representative Blaine, um, because at that point, uh, right after the potato famine in in Ireland, we had this massive um, uh, uh, we had this massive Irish Im- immigration into America, and and one thing and and with them came a lot more Catholics. And there was a big anti Catholic and anti-Irish sentiment in America then. If you remember the movie, um if you remember the movie, uh uh oh, what was that Mel Brooks movie? Blazing Saddles, right. Um, when they were saying, uh, well, we we're gonna do the railroad, but you gotta give some land to the, the, the blacks, the Asians and the and the Irish and they said, All right, well you can give land to the blacks, you can give it to the But not to the damn Irish. That was actually the sentiment, right, in America at the time. So one thing the Catholics did was they did education really, really well. Well, it was controlled by the Protestants back in the day, all right? And they didn't want the Catholics moving in on their turf, so Blaine came up with this amendment. Now, it never made it nationally, but what they did is they got it embedded on the state level. Because remember that in the uh, in the United States constitution the word education doesn't exist which is why i ronald reagan and and many other conservatives believe the department of education on the national level should be abolished it should be a state function um because it is mentioned in the state constitution and along with that since since we were a state after 7, uh, 1875 we have our own Blaine Amendment, and the Blaine Amendment is, and this is how they tried to stop the Catholics, that no money shall ever be taken from the public treasury, directly or indirectly, to support any religious or private schools. Right? That's how they stopped the Catholics from taking over education, because they did it so well, right? Um but yet, that's still in there, and that's the reason why it's there, is because they hated Catholics, not because they had some secret understanding that this would somehow make education better. And if anything, the Blaine Amendment has made education worse because it stops the thing that makes America great, which is competition and choice. Dwayne, thank you for the call, and good morning, sir. Thank
5: you. Good morning, Rick. I apologize for the actions of my legislator, Paul Seaton. As you should, my friend, yes. Um, Well, you've already talked about half of my subject there, but that, you know, (laughs) because we've been on voucher system for a long time. Everywhere it's tried, it's proven itself true. One of the things that I would like to ask um, for anyone arguing on the other side, that would be anyone arguing for more money. Yeah. or to keep our current funding levels where they are. No one up to this point that I've heard has made a good, clear argument with empirical data, facts, and figures that demonstrate more money equates to higher literacy rate or uh, yeah. better scores. Yeah. Because over the years, and I would love to do a spreadsheet over this, uh, I could get all the information together and do a bar graph. But over the years, it seems to me that every time we hear this, it's almost like every year we hear this, we need more money. We need more money. The literacy rate is not what it's supposed to be. (laughs) scores are not what they're supposed to be. And then as soon as they get more money, the union kicks in and says, we need higher wages. Yeah. So then the next year they come back and say, and I mean, this is just a, I don't know, more or less a gut feeling that this, over the years this is what I has a, have observed. Mm-hmm. And so um, last Tuesday night at the uh, public hearing, someone mentioned literacy rate in other countries. Well, if you're going to make the argument, then you have to make – you have to postulate the reason. right? You have to say, okay, mm-hmm. literacy rate in the United States is X. The literacy rate in, say, South Korea is why they're smoking us. Why is that? Right. So if we're going to say we need to improve our education, okay, let's put all the cards on the table. Right. If it's not money, then what is it?
1: Yeah. What is it? If our
5: concern is for the children, our concern is to uh, make better educated kids, then we should be open to whatever it is that makes that work.
1: See, and all that makes so common sense, but that's yet what lacks in this conversation so much.
5: Absolutely, because they will never talk about it.
1: Mm-mm, no, they won't, and that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going. You have now set up the conversation, Bud.
5: Okay, very good.
1: <laughs> e- even though you had to apologize for your representative, have a great day today. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. All right. Quick, take a quick uh, commercial break in the news. Six thirty. We'll be right back. It is 640. We're back. It's 38 degrees in Anchorage, 36 in Eagle River, the Rick Rydell radio program. And we're talking about one of the biggest budget items that we face in government, which is the education system. And not only just the education system uh, in, in Anchorage, but, but both in our Anchorage budget and in the state budget. Um and and I will say this, that the um the the education is in both the state constitution and and in the charter for the municipality of Anchorage, as opposed to it not being in the federal constitution, in the United States Constitution, which is why there are many of us that advocate for nationally getting rid of the Department of Education. Um on the national level and making it a function of just the states, as it was uh, seemingly intended by the founding fathers. But this Blaine Amendment um, that we were talking about earlier, um, for those that don't know, and I know it's remedial for you because you already understand this, but this Blaine Amendment, this uh, thing set up in the 1800s that is embedded in all these state constitutions, um, is the one thing that stops um competition from coming in we of course in alaska have another thing that is is difficult for competition and and that is our geography um we are so far removed i mean we have one lump of people in south central uh with kind of a suburb on and i'm not saying this to offend but but kind of a suburb on the kenai peninsula but it's all still south central And that's where, like, three-quarters of the state lives, all right? Well, then you got to go to, you know, Juneau and Fairbanks, and um, it's a lot of travel to get to any other community. And not that every parent would move to put their kids in a better school system if there was more competition, but enough would that it it makes a difference. And so we're kind of uh, stopped by two things one this Blaine amendment uh, in our Constitution um, and then number two by our geography so we get the one of the least competitive education systems in America and the most expensive lowest producing education system in, in America and then and then there's a the second half to that which is this university system because remember when we're talking about education on the State level, they're 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 talking about both of those. Um, you know, the big one obviously is K twelve, and it happens to be the second largest budget item for the state and the largest budget item for the municipality of Anchorage. Um, and again, you know, and some of that comes with state money, some of it comes from um, our property taxes, uh, but but it's it's all paid for. By us and the oil companies, because they were the only ones that pay taxes for these things. But that being said, so we have this failure of a system. Um, it's it's a, a K-12 education system, uh, the second largest budget item in the state, the largest budget item for the municipality, and we are putting out graduate after graduate at 70% sometimes 65 up to maybe 80, somewhere in their graduation rate. And these kids who go on to college, most of them have to take remedial classes in math and English, as the university said to me when my first son went, to make up for his deficiencies in his education. How do we get here? How do we get here spending more money than anyone else? Well, one of those things is salaries, yes. Teachers make better salaries here than they do elsewhere. Yeah, there is a slightly higher cost of living here than in some parts of the lower 48, but not in all of the 48 lower 48. So that really doesn't um, make a lot of difference. Um, but that's that's a big driver. Uh, A lot of times on the education side, they're going to say, well, it's the parents' fault because the parents aren't involved. And that's applicable to about 25 30% of the parents. That's true. Um, But it's about the same everywhere else. Do we love our kids any less than parents do elsewhere? And the answer is no. We don't love our kids any less. So why does our education produce so much less? Are the teachers less talented? than in other parts of the world no we've got a good bunch of teachers so there is something foundationally wrong with the way our education system works here and yet it is still the second highest budget item so what is the what is the deal and then and then of course if you're talking about the university um, i would love to see some comparison um to state-run universities all over because it's it's we have our kids um our kids and they talk about the brain drain. Our kids go to other schools and other states for other reasons. And, and not even because they're better, uh, although I, I think in, in a lot of universities they really are. Um, but because it's, it's isolated up here. So we have a couple of things that we keep trying to solve, it appears to me. Um, but I don't think foundationally we are asking the right questions. And foundationally, why? let's start at the beginning. If we had no school system, if there was no school system here, what would we build? Would we build what we have today, the most expensive, lowest producing uh, education system of any state in the union? Would we do that? Uh, If the answer is yes, then I, I, I give up if the answer is yes, because we have to do better. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say that um, spending this amount of money is the problem, because I don't think it is. Uh, we should have, for the amount of money we spend, the highest graduation rate and the um, and and the smartest kids out there. Uh, Where we're passing an entrance exam into a college should be, hey, yes, we want you. Yes, come here. Yeah, you guys have had this great education. Yet we don't find that we have that. So if we start at what exactly is it that we want to do? What are the school systems trying to accomplish? You know, and that's that's always where my deliberation begins. Because if we have this bureaucracy, what is the mission statement of the of the bureaucracy? Well, there's the um, there's the surfacey answer to that. Well, it's there to educate our kids. Oh, okay. Well, then that's all we need to know. But what is the definition of the education of our kids? What is the goal? Is it to keep them busy until they're eighteen? Because we're we're certainly doing that for a number of them, not all of them, because some leave early and we have a uh, you know, a, a pretty good dropout rate. So what really is the goal of the what is an education for our kids? Well, every time I come down to an answer that makes sense to me, it seems to be, well, what are our kids doing after, after school? They're either, uh, they're either 12.5% of them go on and get a four-year degree, and the rest of them either leave, after, leave before the end of high school, at the end of high school, or after trying college for a little bit, and they enter the workforce. So if that's what they're doing, why is the goal not to prepare the children to be functional members of society and have enough basic skills to run their life and work at a job as goal number one, and then goal number two for the other you know, 12.5% that go on and get a four-year degree, but more like the, the 30% or or maybe even 50% that try some college, um, why not have goal number one to get them uh, responsible to run their lives To balance a checkbook, to have the basic uh life skills necessary to enter the workforce, or goal number two, to
0: be ready to Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: Laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire,
4: huh?
0: Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions
1: apply. See website for details. Enter higher education. Because if those are the two goals, we're not meeting them. But to me, it seems like these are the perfect two goals to have. And if we're not meeting those goals, what goals are we trying to meet? There's my question. 649, I got Pablo on the phone. The rest of our lines are open. It's five two 650 We'll be right back. 652, we're back. 38 in Anchorage, 36 in Eagle River. It's the Rick Rydell radio program. And, of course, this is one of the um, pieces that are in play in our state legislature. It all seems quiet down there, but there's a lot of uh, – there's two things – a lot of two two things going on down there. One, there's a lot of of negotiating behind the the curtain, right? There's a lot of underground negotiating going on, and then number two, there's a lot of drinking going on, uh, that, and that's what happens in the legislature down there this time of year. Pablo, uh, education is one of those things. Good morning, sir.
6: Good morning. Hey, and I think you hit on one of the the main problems of education, and it's not just in Alaska; it's failing in the entire country, and it, it brings me to a quote from Dr. Thomas Sowell or something he said, I, I don't have it exactly, but he said something along the lines, you can identify a bureaucracy because the focus is on the process and not on outcomes. Boy, and
1: isn't the truth?
6: And when you look at education, you know, people who graduated from high school in the 60s and 70s we're actually better educated than most people nowadays who come out of college with a bachelor's degree in a non-technical subject. Right, and, and it went downhill when it started getting central plans in, in Washington. Yes. Uh, you know, when Kennedy, after Sputnik, you know, called for to go to the moon. The the different school boards and school districts would could affect curriculum, and. It wasn't that he centrally planned it. He just gave out a goal, and all these different school boards then reacted and changed their curriculum to, to meet a, a national goal. Right now, everything is centrally planned from Washington. The process is to do to meet this or that or the other in order to get funding. And, oh, by the way, if you fail, don't worry. This is a completely bad, backward model that the worse you do, the more money we throw at you. Um, So, you know, the real solution is to get Washington out of our kids' education. There's a reason that uh, kids who go to private schools or homeschool just do so much better. The old model of, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic and not uh, gender studies and uh, who can go into what bathroom was just more successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are the skills you need? Uh, You need reading, writing, and arithmetic, and then you need to know how to balance a checkbook. And for, what, 88% of the kids who don't go get a degree, um, how to run a cash register or some other life skill that's going to translate into a marketable job skill.
6: Yeah, I, I don't know what they're teaching. It's not anything useful these days. And I don't even think they can identify. It's just a matter of meeting uh, certain processes within uh, this huge bureaucracy and the kids as a, as a consequence the outcome is just miserable failure and it's not just in alaska it's, it's nationwide it is you're right
1: you're right it is nationwide although we see where the model of our charter schools are offering some sort of option for parents those parents that do care because not all of the parents do or not all the parents are going to pablo good uh, good analysis today buddy thanks for the call See ya. All right, we'll take a a quick break. We'll be right back. Again, this is one of the pieces in play in the budget process for getting us out of this legislature, probably after one or two special sessions. But uh, it is the second largest budget item, and if you're not going to address it, you're not going to address why we have a bloated government. But the foundation, what's the goal of education? If not to get kids ready to go into life and be successful, or Tier 2 to head to college and, and be prepared to go to college, what is the goal of education? Oh, it's to educate our kids. That's not good enough for the amount of money we're spending. We'll take a quick break and be right back. 657, the Rick Rideau Radio Program. It's five two two zero six five zero. All we've lacked in this broadcast so far is you You can remedy that right now by using those numbers, and I'll be back. It is 7.08, 38 degrees in Anchorage, 36 in Eagle River, the Rick Rydell radio program. And we're talking about uh, education, the second largest budget item that we face. The Senate has proposed reducing a mere 5%. And, of course, academia is apoplectic. Oh, my God, how can you throw our children away? Well, let's look at something if you uh, if you've been following mission critical com, uh, mission critical AK.com, um they're really delving down into the budget and here here's what they find the the, the difference between uh and, and they use one of the most populous states out there california and compare it to alaska so is there is there duplication and waste in education um in california Most uh, They have the most students of any state with 6,275,000 students. California has 79 superintendents earning an average of $155,000 a year to administer those students. The superintendent-to-student ratio is one to every 79,000 kids. Alaska has the smallest population and has the fewest students enrolled in public school. We have a grand total of 131,000. Alaska has 54 superintendents that earn an average of $160,000 per year to administer those students. That's the superintendent-to-student ratio of one superintendent for every 2,425 kids. Again, California has 79 superintendents man- man- managing s- over 6 and a, 6 and a quarter million students we have 54 superintendents managing 131,000 students. California spends approximately 15.8 million dollars in annual salary and benefits for its education superintendents while Alaska spends 11.3 million on its superintendents. Again, California spends 15.8 million, we spend 11.3 million. Again, California has six and a quarter million students. We have 131,000 students. Alaska spends nearly 71% of what California does to administer its education system, yet Alaska has only 2% of the total student population that California has. So there's an example of where our geography and maybe the way our foundational uh, education system runs – that is not really, um, it's, it's not able to be competitive the way it is in other places. And, of course, we have different, different jurisdictions all over the place. And, um, and the ability for parents to move, if you're in California or you're in another state, um, if there is a school district near you uh, within 50 or 100 miles, there are, te- there are parents that will move into that district and keep their existing job so their kids can go to that school system. You can't do that in, in Alaska. You can't do that here. And, of course, with as we talk about with our Blaine Amendment, with the inability for private uh, schools to prosper, um, we lack in them uh, comparably. You know, uh, I know that when, when I lived back east briefly, uh, it was a, a couple-year stint I did back east, most of the people I worked with didn't go to public schools. they went to private schools and the private schools flourish for a couple of reasons. Um, number one is because they can because they're allowed to. Um, we have a system set up in Alaska where if you are a parent, um, we have so we have so much. Uh, of our money going to these public school systems. I mean, you look at half of your property taxes. And, you know, if you have the average home in Anchorage, a couple thousand dollars a year. Well, they take that out of your, your property taxes, which means they take it out of your pay to support this education system. For you to take your kids and send them to private school, you still have to pay for the education system. That doesn't have a definition of what an education for our kids is, or if they do have a definition, they're certainly not advertising it. I mean, you know, if you're going to open up a business, you're going to have a goal, right? You're going to open up. Let's say you're going to open up a motorcycle shop. I want to open up a motorcycle shop because I want to bring. I want to bring this niche of motorcycles to the state of Alaska. And, and as a goal, I want to sell these motorcycles. That's your goal. And I want to make as much money as I can doing so. Well, if we have an education system that, that spends this much money, and again, it's the second largest budget item our state faces. There is, there is only one thing higher, and that is health and human services. Health and human services is the largest budget item. So we're paying for health care, for more people than we are education. We're paying for more health care and education than we are for public safety. And, and, and that's a little on the bizarre side, don't you think, since public safety is the first biggest function of government? Um, so if, if that's what it is and and the goal is to educate our kids, I always have to bring it back to that question, okay, what is the goal of the education of our kids? And what are we trying to accomplish and we, if we are not getting the kids ready to go into the workforce with marketable job skills and we're not getting them ready to go to college, what are we doing? Because if, if I'm going to set up a goal, this is what our education system should do, then, then those would be the two goals I'd set. When we, when we talk about our bureaucracy of managing fish and wildlife, by the way, we have a goal. The goal is to have the maximum sustainable yield of our fish and of our wildlife. That means there's a definite goal to running Fish and Game. And it's not to provide you with an opportunity to catch the biggest fish. It's to to, to look at the resource and manage it on a sustained yield principle so in case the, uh, the, the infrastructure to bring you food fails there is the maximum sustained yield of protein out there. That's why we manage fish and game. But yet, we have an education system that is managed by people who don't have a goal of what an education for our kids is. And then it's funded by a group of people who are, then I'm talking about our legislature, who some of them are simply trying to serve their special interests not secure and maintain your individual rights and provide an education system free for our kids with a goal. And it's brought to you by the same people who think putting a pregnancy test in a bar is a great idea. And if you do the math on that story today, by the way, and these are the people who are making this decision, uh, and they say finding that 42 women over the course of the past two years have found out they were pregnant at these pregnancy tests, then we spent $9,523 per person to find out the 42 women were pregnant. Who were heading to bars in the first place? Now, did that mean they stopped drinking? We have no idea. We have no idea, but by God, we have a, a quantifiable answer that for our $400,000 that we spent, which is uh, you know a, a good chunk of what would come from an income tax, we spent nine thousand five hundred and twenty three dollars to find out that forty two each to find out forty two women were pregnant, who didn't know they were before they headed to the bar. And these are the people making the decisions on how much our education system should get. We'll take a quick break, 7 sixteen standby. It is 7 twenty. We're talking about uh, uh, the education system in Alaska, and you're more than welcome to join into the conversation if you think you can help those that lack the understanding of why it becomes an issue. And I think that there is a a sales tactic out there that academia uses. And understand, academia is the, um, it's like this last last allowed um, monopoly. You know, I mean, we had uh, uh, turn of uh, last century, we had Roosevelt come in and break up all the trust, break up all the monopolies. Well, the one monopoly they haven't broke up is that of public education, um, and, and again, the Blaine Amendments make it this way. Is is it an essential function of government? Absolutely, absolutely, it's an essential function of our state government. But listen to this: in this article that came out last week, they were talking. Uh, of course, they had all of the uh, all of those in South Central academia collectively getting together. Uh, as the uh, legislature or the Senate was trying to reduce the expenditures by 5%. 5%. 5% is all they were trying to reduce it. Um, the message they say do not sell Alaska students short. We must, we can and must do better when it comes to funding public education in our state. Well, again, if if you haven't looked at the numbers we fund public education better than just about anybody we give to public education but our results aren't where they should be and especially for that amount of money so what's the goal what is the what is the mission the mission is to fund public education or is the mission to educate our kids And I think sometimes we intermix those two as if they're the same thing, and obviously it's not. And so when you think of of half of your house payment or half of your property taxes going to fund this education system, do you feel like you haven't given enough? Do you feel like you're getting your money's worth from this education system? And I think it even gets back to the point of uh, we use, the, we use the, um, the high school graduation rate as some sort of barometer of how well we're doing. Well, what is a high school graduation? What does a high school diploma mean, really? I mean, what does it mean? Does it mean you uh, have the equivalent of a 12th grade education? Well, the answer is no, it doesn't. All a high school graduation uh, means is that you basically understand what someone should understand with a ninth grade education, and you have attended enough classes and got the minimum score, which is basically just showing up. I mean, it it doesn't take much to get a D. Matter of fact, you got to screw off a little bit to get a D. If you basically just show up and just turn in your work, you're probably going to get a B. If you just show up and turn in your work. So someone graduating after 12 or 13 years, K-12 education, do they have the equivalent of a, 12, a 12th grade education? And the answer is no, they don't. All that is required is they have the equivalent of a ninth-grade education, and they've attended after that. Is that something to use as a litmus test for how successful we are? I don't think so. If you get kids that are actually grad and and don't know how to conjugate a word or a verb, is is, is that worthwhile? Is that worth having? Is that worth spending the massive amount of money on uh, let me go to uh, David, Bob, and Paul in that order as we're back on the uh, telephones. David, good morning, sir.
0: Good morning. I got Bob out. At- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer
0: solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, all regulated by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: After me, huh? I better be accurate on my numbers. You I was better be, to point buddy. You now, um, when you have a paradigm, your paradigm is you expect schools to be educating people, and the state system is set up for hiring people. So Anchorage school district is the number one employer in the city of Anchorage. There you go. So, I mean, if, if, and if you look at it that way, you look at from that paradigm of, you know, employers. Yeah. We've got more superintendents, you know, we're paying more for superintendents than we, California, we are spending more money than any other state essentially on education. So if, the paradigm shift has to be shifted. You have to say that employing people is not the goal of school districts.
1: It should be the goal of the outcome, though.
7: Well, the goal of the outcome would be educating children.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying once you've educated children, they should be hireable. They, sh- yeah, they should go right, get a right. job, right.
7: But, but the, the school district shouldn't be, its job should not be
1: hiring. Hiring people, right, yeah. And, and but, yeah, that's, yet, but yet, that's where we've been. Right, right, and, and that's kind of what I was saying when when I say the the statement is we, we can and must do better when it comes to funding public education in our state. Funding education shouldn't be the goal.
7: Yes, funding should not be it. Education should be. And, you know, the testimony on uh, the ta- income taxes was like, well, we have to spend more money on education. But the examples they used were communist countries that train workers. So, A, we've got to either shift our education so we train our workers so we can keep them here so they don't have to go out of state, or we are going to just continue with the model of everybody's going to college, which has been proven fairly unsuccessful.
1: Yeah, and fairly inaccurate. All right, buddy, appreciate the call, as always, from another former teacher. Take care. All right, Bob, you're up next, and then, Paul, after that, we take a quick commercial break, 727. Stand by. Is seven thirty six the uh, Rick Rydell radio program? We're talking about education. Someone who has studied this in depth is my good friend uh, Bob on line three. Hey, Bob.
8: Hey, good morning, Rick. Yeah, you're, you're hitting this uh, topic uh, right on the on the head here. That uh, thanks. That the main problem with uh, you K know, twelve education in Alaska is the lack of competition. Without competition, uh, you know we know capitalism works pretty well, and the, and the mechanism that makes capitalism work is is competition. But without competition, you you lack the incentives to innovate to improve. When you have a, a monopoly, which essentially we have in, in Alaska, uh, you're averse to any changes that might uh, you know Im- improve things because uh, when you have a monopoly, there's no reason to stick your neck out and, and uh, attempt any changes uh, because uh, you're going to get your customers back every year uh, via the status right. quo. Yeah. Now, that just to, some of the figures on, on why we're one of the most monopolistic uh, uh, school systems in the United States. You know, we, uh, we're the number one per capita spender on K-12 education, though we're not the number one uh, spender per student. There's, there's, a, there's a couple states that spend more than us, but it has to do with, uh, again, the, the competition piece. Um, that you, you pointed out, uh, you know, we only have about four and a half percent of our kids attend private schools in uh, in Alaska. Nationwide, the average is about eleven percent. The highest state is, is Delaware at seventeen percent. So, um, you know, in Delaware, they have fewer kids that they have to um, they have to spend money on uh, because seventeen percent of the kids are, are attending private schools. That's what drives. Right our per capita cost of, of K-12 education. And, and, again, per capita cost is a best, much better indication of, of how well we're uh, uh, supporting uh, K-12 education. But when you, right. when you don't have uh, uh, competition, you, there's no incentive to change, no incentive to uh, uh, use some of the amazing innovations that are available at uh, K-12 education, and, and you become risk-averse.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, so and and part of that part of that is geography. We can't say it's
8: not. Yeah, it is part of its uh, geography. But you know, let's let's uh, let's talk about you know you know outcomes in rural Alaska. Uh, the, the assumption is often made that that uh, outcomes in rural Alaska are what's driving down our our um, out, outcomes here. But that's that not not necessarily true. There, there's some truth to that. We have some horrible schools, Western Alaska in the Arctic. There's no doubt about it. But you know, out of the 54 um, uh, districts in uh, in Alaska, uh, Anchorage rank, ranks 22nd, okay? The Skagway, uh, uh, Petersburg, Wrangell, uh, Dutch Harbor, there, there's uh, dozens of communities that have uh, much better in, uh, outcomes without the economies of scale that we uh, see here in, in Anchorage. Uh, and when you look at our upper and middle income fourth grade reading, you know, which is that's not, that, that's not Bethel, you know, upper and middle income kids are, are not uh, Bethel or the UPIT school district down, you know, right. which is the, the worst school district in, in Alaska. Yeah. Um, we're, we're still 49 in the United States in uh, upper and middle income fourth grade reading. So, right. uh, you know, we have, a, we have uh, plenty of problems, and, and uh, you're hitting it right on top of the head that the, uh, the main point that, the, that's dragging it down is the lack of competition. And the lack of incentive to uh, to uh, innovate and and create better uh, outcomes.
1: Right, the there's, there, the the incentive to do better is lacking.
8: Exactly. Well, that's and that's that's what that's the great uh, tool of competition and uh, uh, capitalism. That's why you know uh, that uh, you know. You know, it was pointed out in, in public testimony the other day that uh, Cuba has much better literacy rates than Alaska, um, <laughs> it, but uh, Cuba spends uh, about one fifth of what uh, Alaska spends, spends per student. So it's obviously the spending is not the, the issue. Um, right. And also the the you know, I'd like to point out that being middle class in Cuba means you have a, less than a one percent chance of ever owning a car. So
1: right. That, yeah, a little bit different scenario.
8: And we want to emulate.
1: Yeah, and and that, of course, would be a a brand-new 1955 Chevy car because that's the newest one you can get down there, right? (laughs) Right, absolutely. All right, any other points, any other salient points I'm missing on this one today from from your perspective?
8: No, and that's it really boils down. We've talked a lot of things about K-12 education, but it really boils down to the incentive systems. And people and and organizations, uh, institutions are driven by incentives. And uh, we've just set up a, a lousy incentive system with K-12 education in Alaska that, co- that, that has instituted a, a monopoly that creates um, mediocre uh, and, and lousy outcomes.
1: for Complacency, for
8: if you will, right? Exactly. Complacency. Yeah. I, that would probably be the, 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 uh, the, 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 the key word there.
1: Yeah, all right, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for all the work you do on this and you guys have uh, great articles up at uh, alaskapolicyforum.org on these very issues.
8: Hey, thanks for plugging in, Rick. We'll talk to all you
1: later. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Um yeah, there there are uh you know, so how do you how do you incentivize a complacent bureaucracy? Well, they're saying, "Hey, we're doing the job. We're 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 doing we're doing the job. Just just pay us more money. We're just give you know, and I'm not saying the teachers aren't worth the amount of money they're getting. I'm not saying they are. I'm not saying they're not. I don't think that's really um, really the issue because it really shouldn't be about that. It should be how is the education going for our kids. And if they're complacent where they are and we're ranked at the bottom of almost every place else, we need to shake things up a little bit. We need, you know, we need to do, I, I just dawned on me. We need to make education in Alaska great again. That's what we need to do. We need to shake this thing up and make education in Alaska great again. What we're doing isn't isn't accomplishing that goal. So shake it up. Bring in some innovation. Bring in some competition. Allow, and, and you don't even have to spend money for that. You just need to reduce the regulation that stops it. And, and the first thing to do, and, and again, I, I, I go back to this, is if we put out a constitutional amendment to get rid of our Blaine amendment, stopping educa- stopping um, public funds going to uh, religious or private education, because that's a pretty a big blanket statement, then we could put in a voucher system where the tax dollars that are designated to follow your student, Goes with your student wherever they go, and you, as the parent, get to choose that school. And will all parents choose uh, uh, something outside the neighborhood? No, probably not even most. But right now, those that want to are really stuck, and they can't. And would it, you know? Say you take the the basic K uh, uh, twelve funding, the the per student allocation, if you will and let's say it's $5,000, will $5,000 going with your student, will that pay for a full year of private education? Probably not. But if you've only got to kick in, let's say it's $7,000, if you only got to kick in another two, and the money that was going to be spent on your kid at the public school goes with your kid to the private school, well, it's a lot easier to come up with two than it is to come up with seven and still pay your property taxes for the thing you're not using. Uh, let me go to Paul, Frank, and Mary in that order. Paul, good morning, sir.
5: Hey, Rick. Uh, well, I, I can roll with the let's make education great again. I can, I can roll with that. Uh, It'll work, right? Yeah, and, and not only that, but uh, do you think for a moment the wave's not coming here now? Miss DeVos uh, and the Trump, God bless Donald J. Trump. Uh, yep. What what we're seeing here is all up close and personal, and what they basically want to do, the bureaucrats have formed this alliance of my daddy was here before your daddy, and it's just shameful. I mean, I understand that, okay, but it's just shameful the way they're using it. And quite frankly, they're going to push us all out, and they're going to raise every fee, every fine, every rule, every every. They're going to take all the money they can, and then we'll see. You're not important. You have to leave, and then they're going to camp around the golden goose. Between their pers and Turs and the dividend, they're living a the good life, and this is not there. this is not this is not unusual in a third world tyrannical country. Okay, this is the standard operating mode. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's what I think we need to do, Rick. I all problems like right now the school. How many times we've we been over this, Rick? 50, 100, maybe two hundred times at least. At over least and over and over again. So I think it's it's ninety eight percent of all problems are leadership based. Period. End of discussion. It's an undeniable uh, comment and fact, okay? Now, we need to get up here, move that legislator out of Juneau. That's the that's the source of the problems. That's the plugged-up drains Juno. Juneau. need to get them up here in the Anchorage area, and, and because we are the hub, two-thirds of the population is between Homer and the Valley out there. And we need to decide what does it cost to have a community that's in harmony, that, that's in unity. Now, they want to, they want to jump onto the oil and the free enterprise and, and all of that stuff. But the truth is, what do you and I owe as a community? And then once we settle that, then we can decide about free enterprise and investments and all those other things. And we have a chance if we do this, Rick, if all of us get together here in the Anchorage Bowl area, we have a chance to literally lead the rest of the lower 48 out of the problem and make money at the same time. Well, you we know,
1: we could, but there's one big flaw in your in your thinking. What? Because your thinking is if we move the legislature to South Central, that will have a major change. Problem is um, you already have that except for 120 days out of the year when they meet in Juneau. They're already here. The entire government is here, and it's in Anchorage, except for the 120 days the legislature is in Juneau. And it's like you keep focusing on the 120 days as if that's a panacea. The panacea is it's here and it's now. I mean, it's not here right now because they're in Juneau now. But coming up after the session, they're all back here. The government's back here again. It's already here. Frank, we'll get to you after the break and Mary after that. It's the Rick Rydell Radio Program. We'll be back. It is 7.53. We're into the final death throes of the broadcast. We're talking about the second largest budget item we have. The Senate proposes a, a, a modest 5% cut in the amount we've spent. And those in academia are going, oh, oh my God, no, 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 anything but that you hate children. And, and that's the, the emotional response. Uh, Frank, thanks for the call. Good morning, buddy.
9: Good morning, Rick. You know, uh, believe it or not, even in the ADN, there's information has been available to make you question how well this uh, – Schools are performing here in Anchorage, so let's let's forget the rural part. Right. University of Alaska published the statistics on how many people entering the University of Alaska from, in this case, I'll just isolate the Anchorage schools right. had to have remedial coursework in either English or math. Yeah. So shocking! Just as an, just as an example, Bartlow High School, seventy-one percent. Yeah. Now understand this: this cohort is those that are in college they aren't this isn't the total number of students this is just right. the ones that went on to college were tested and had to have remedial coursework
1: yeah so it's 71% of the say 30 or 40% that actually try to go to university of correct. the of the 70% that graduate correct right
9: correct so there, there was another article uh, last fall in the newspaper about the university, uh, the, the zero-level classes that, uh, that the university was forced to give because the entering students couldn't meet the basic requirements to take a 100-level class. All right. All so 39% of this group of over, I don't know, 15,000 students over 10 years uh, were deficient in English, Mm -hmm. 70-some percent in math, uh, which in anything other than education would be totally unacceptable.
1: I agree. Well, you know, to, to exacerbate that point even further, when I became aware of this was when my now chemical engineer son, who graduated with honors cum laude from the Anchorage School District, was notified at university he had deficiencies in his education. That's when I was notified, with <laughs> honors.
9: Really? Which university yeah. did he go to?
1: Univer- well, two, University of Idaho and then graduated from North Dakota. Good good engineering school.
9: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, you know, and the, one of the things that was also disturbing, which which tells me at least I should have my intent up higher than it is, In the article about the zero-level classes, where they were sort of lauding the university and not panning the school district too much, they should have been a little more critical, Uh, I can still remember reading that Don Reardon, who's a published author here and a talented guy, was teaching one of the zero-level classes. And the assignment he gave in English was for them to read Howard Zinn. Uh, you know who Howard Zinn is, correct?
1: I do, yeah, but yeah. you may want <laughs> He's
9: He's a Marxist anti-establishment uh, author who wrote a the people's history of the United States, which was just sort of the anti, anti-history. Turning yeah, history it his is. Head, you know?
1: My uh, my end music has started playing, my friend. I appreciate your comments today, and thanks for weighing in. Okay, we're not getting what we're paying for, Rick. No, we aren't. Thank you, pal. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. We've run out of time, So, uh, but you do have Rush Limbaugh coming up live. You have uh, Hannity live. Then at 3, well, at 2.30, they have a repeat of this. Then at 3, it's Mike Picaro in the last word in local talk shows. The Rick Rideau Radio Program, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Thanks for watching. I apologize for the actions of my representative, Jason Gran. Have a good night